Hey everybody, this is Diana, aka Mod. And this is David, aka Macintosh. And welcome to Macintosh Mod Haven't Seen What? The podcast where we make each other watch movies we think the other one should have already seen. And this week we're continuing with documentaries. We've got the September issue. A documentary chronicling Vogue editor-in-chief Anna Winter's preparations for the 2007 fall fashion issue. So, what to you know about this movie? I know who Anna Winter is. Okay, who is she? The editor-in-chief of Vogue Correct. magazine. Correct. I know that Vogue magazine is a big fucking deal fashion magazine. Okay. I never really have read it, okay. nor have cared to. Because I'm not the biggest fashion person in the world. You're also not its target audience. I enjoy Top Dress. Oh, yeah. As yes. God, I love Merlin Mann and Max Temkin for that. Obviously, we're talking about Project Runway, but yep. Top Dress is such a better name for it, it. It's it's a lovely snark on the show. And I can appreciate the artistry of fashion. Mm -hmm. I do. I, I am captivated by that part of it. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's sort of where I'm at with it. Okay. All right. Do you know anything about this movie? I, I knew it was kind of a big deal when it came out, and we'll talk about it. I feel like I remember it being up for awards? Yes. Okay. So I, I, I remember hearing of it, and I remember hearing about it somewhat in relation to The Devil Wears Prada, because mm -hmm. that was the thing that was out, but I never saw like either of those movies. Okay. So I've seen them all. All right, let's go watch. Okay. We finished the movie. Uh-uh. 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 Nah. You hated it? I didn't hate it. Okay. So what are you nuh-uhing? But it's not good. What? Like, what? what's your thing? This feels like a piss-poor produced television special. Like a low-budget HBO 50-minute documentary. It It's not a feature documentary. No, and it feels padded to make it an hour and a half long. Okay. I think this is a PR film. Ah. And I think, I, I don't know how much time they had with this. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. But I feel like if they had really been, uh, they hadn't had a particular mission, which was Anna Wintour's job. Uh-huh. They would have realized that the story is Grace Coddington. Oh my God, yes. And they would have leaned in on that. And then we could have had a much more interesting film. So, okay. So there's a little bit about this that we have to talk about. And that's Devil Wears Prada. Oh, okay. Okay. Devil Wears Prada came out in 2003. It was a bestseller by uh, Laura Weisberger. Weisenberger, whatever. Y'all know. Y'all know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, I read that book in two days. It's a great read. That book, while it doesn't explicitly say Anna Wintour... Is about Anna Wintour. Okay. Um, Laura Weisberger. I think that's her name. She was Anna Wintour's assistant. So it was kind of her tell-all about how Anna Wintour is as a person, which is a heinous human being. Very demanding, shrew, ridiculous. Right. So that book was amazing and great. And then all, now we, then we have all these articles and stories about Anna Wintour. Uh, this does not paint her in the best light. Clearly. And then, of course, it gets optioned for a movie. And we we know the story after that. It's Meryl and Anne it's Hathaway. Meryl. And, and uh, I know this is a controversial opinion, but Meryl Streep should have never been cast in this role. Sorry, she shouldn't have, particularly if you're basing it on the book. Oh my gosh, Michelle Pfeiffer could have done it so well. I Here's my thing. Anne Hathaway was perfect casting. Yeah. 
who they should have casted opposite her was Julia Roberts as cold, steely former model. Michelle Pfeiffer looks like Anna Wintour. No. Yes. That's not the point. Yes. Julia Roberts and Anne Hathaway look more alike. Uh-uh. It's a better mirror. Nah. Mm-hmm. And at that, especially that time, Anne Hathaway kept being called the new Julia Roberts. She's way better than Julia Roberts. Like, I love Julia Roberts, but she's way better. Anyways, Devil Wears Prada movie came out in 2006, and then it just became a whole thing about how is Anna Wintour responding to this? She went to the screening and apparently left at some point. It was a big deal. I feel like this movie, the September issue, is an attempt to humanize Anna and kind of argue how she is. Well, they do a shitty job of humanizing her. Yeah, they don't humanize her at all. Um, I think what they're trying to do is create an excuse for her job is so important and so powerful. Of course she's going to be difficult. It's so fucking not. You know, part of this, part of the reason this movie doesn't work for me mm-hmm. is that a year after all this shit unfolds, mm-hmm. we have the economic crisis. Yes. The September issue is around is about the 2007 release. Correct. Which is their biggest release they had ever made at that point. This movie didn't come out until 2009. And after that, the entire economic landscape changes to the point now where this pure, unbridled, unfettered capitalism Mm -hmm. that is being promoted in this film Mm -hmm. has just completely been... We've completely turned around and said, this is all bullshit. No, I I don't completely agree with that. I think Vogue really tries to take fashion as being an art form and showcase that. Of course, they are selling clothing. You wouldn't be able to tell from this movie. No, not from this movie. And that's what my problem is. But I think, you know, since uh, the recession, we still do those same things. Nothing about that has changed. No, but more and more people have begun to question it and try to see through it people have tried to scale back their materialism correct that does not mean sacrificing good fashion and to be fair or being quality anti- fashion and to be fair being being against the, the excesses of capitalism mm-hmm. does not mean not having nice things correct that's that's totally so i think that's where it's it's the it's still the same message it's just in a different way well for me the most telling part of that mm-hmm. and and what really smacked me as gross is the fact that right at the beginning of the movie we have a meeting with all of the retailers mm-hmm. so we've got the heads of neiman marcus mm-hmm. and nordstrom and I mean, whoever mm-hmm. Neiman Marcus is the only one we get named. Yeah, that's but we've the got important one. we've got literally every high end fashion retailer in mm-hmm. a in a breakfast room with Anna, and they just plainly are talking about how they're going to sell fucking clothes, and that for me immediately turned me off from the rest of the movie because the whole thing becomes this fucking meat grinder to promote what otherwise are incredibly beautiful clothes well that's all a magazine has ever been right it is a physical advertise i mean we used to not have television we used to only have magazines and radio we used to only have newspapers remember the sears catalog it was a big fucking deal i i think it's simply that without realizing he was doing it the director suddenly captured that for me in a way i hadn't really put together some of it's that i hadn't ever had the positions i did mm-hmm. But that immediately just turned me off to the rest of the movie. And it doesn't help then that every runway scene we see mm-hmm. is filmed in such shitty positioning with no artistry whatsoever that but the clothes don't pop in any way. That's not what this movie's about. This movie is not about clothes. 
at all. Which is part of the reason I don't like it. Okay, well, we can watch a different film about clothes. But this movie is about how we get this issue, which is the most important issue they put out any year. September issue. It's the beginning of fall, beginning of winter. September, which means it comes out in August. So we're always a month ahead. Yeah. This movie is not about fashion. It's about how you get from the beginning of the month. How do we get from concept to print? To me, I'm left with a taste of why should I care? Because that's how, that's honestly how clothes are sold to you with the work that they do. But what's interesting is that you're angry, you're annoyed by the lack of fashion. And yet our favorite part of the movie is about not the fashion itself, but how it is displayed to us. And that's with Grace, Grace Connington. Her work, the way her brain works, is ingenious. Annie even says it. She's a genius. And I love what someone says at the beginning is like, Grace is this person who's playing dress up. It's like she goes into the room and it's like someone has left her this wonderland of clothing and she plays. Well, so that that to me is part of the failing of the movie. Agreed. You're, you're right in that it's not about the fashion. I think the director made no choices. It, he literally just tried to pull a cinema verite and no. it doesn't work for the subject he's talking about. He was trying to show what Anna's job is. That's what that whole breakfast meeting is about. Because the whole point of that breakfast meeting is that little moment where he goes, you know, our real problem is with the shipping. Maybe you could talk to the designers about that. And the point is that Anna has the ear of all the designers. And Anna's the one who's going to push all this stuff and then they want to make money off of it. So, hey, Anna, can you go talk to the designers to fix this problem so we can make our money? That's the whole point of that entire scene. To me, he fails at that job. I agree. And that's because why that's I... why it's upsetting. Then it if void of that, mm -hmm. this is literally just an advertisement for this magazine. It, it, that's it, all it is. That's what it ends up being. Right. And, uh, and so understand, I'm not I'm not mad about the subject itself. Mm -hmm. it, the execution and the way this movie is done, and part of the reason why I say if you're going to show the fashion, show it well is show me that you have some artistry and understanding of your subject. Because if, you, if, if you're if you not going to show me that you can actually capture this image correctly, because the camera work is fucking atrocious in this movie. They are not trying to capture the fashion. Okay, but even the people. The, the people are captured atrociously. The movie looks like garbage. And I don't buy anything that he's giving me. In the story. I, I believe the problem that they had is they went in saying, okay, we have to show Anna's job. Her job's pretty abstract. Her job is a lot of sitting there and giving opinions and a lot of pursing her lips and going, no. Yeah. No, you don't want to do that. No. Which is not something that translates to screen well. No. I think they got lucky when they found Grace. And then they realized these two women have started at the exact same time. They have been working together for 30 30-ish years. And Grace is not scared of that woman. That woman makes people cry on a regular basis. You could see it in one of those scenes where she goes, no, no, that all of your stuff looks the same. And that woman is literally just like, okay, okay. And she's trying not to cry. Yeah. Which is great because it's kind of awesome. <laughs> uh, in, the, in the evil way, it's awesome. But Grace is like, she's annoyed and she's mad, but she's like, whatever, I'm going to push back. You got to be meaner. You got to be tougher. Even to me, you got to be meaner. That's what she tells the other guy, not yeah. to get for Like, you just gotta get meaner. This, uh, the director failed in his goal, for sure, to showcase Anna's job. 
Which makes me question what the goal actually was I, I, in the first I place. I genuinely believe the goal was to show Anna's job, to show how important she is and how powerful she is, and how, um, of course, she would be a difficult person because of all those demands. I think that was the the point of doing this movie. And I think the truth is is a you're right. It doesn't it doesn't showcase on film. And b I personally mm-hmm. don't feel like that power is worth a whole hell of a lot. She's the f- master of this tiny. You. Yes, I don't know if that's because it's me mm-hmm. or if it's because the movie doesn't convey that. I wonder if the movie is a, is in some way at fault because her job, you're right, is obtuse. And then on screen, at the end of the day, I'm like, she's just any normal CEO of any place. So here, here's where part of the problem is you have no interest or no background in fashion. Hard agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. So I know who they're talking about. When, when Andre Leon Talley shows up, I'm like, fuck yes, is this dude. He's amazing. I've watched all of Sex in the City. I know all these names and so on and so forth. And to me, he reads as a celebrity He's figure wasted. for the sake of being a celebrity. Because they should have followed him and what his job was because he doesn't work for them anymore. Because he was a big deal for a while. This Where this movie fails is that it, it is very well made for somebody who likes fashion. Yes. And is interested in the industry. And it is it does not translate to somebody who doesn't understand any of this. There's a better relatable way to talk about it. That's our problem. It's not that it's bad. It just only translates to a very specific audience. Correct. With the exception of Grace's storyline. Yeah. Grace's storyline is wonderful. I want a movie all about her doing this for about her entire life because she was a model and then she had a horrible accident and she had to have a bunch of plastic surgery because her head went through a window and now she's been doing this she's been a stylist and creating uh magazine spreads and there's a level at which he chose a specific style of documentary filmmaking Mm -hmm. by choosing verite and not an and not necessarily a pure narrative structure Mm -hmm. that requires you to film a shit ton of footage And dig through that footage to find the story. Mm -hmm. You're trying to do an in-the-moment-as-it-happens story. Well, the masters of that, guys like the Maisley's brothers, you know, some of it happens in being at the right place at the right time. Like, Gimme Shelter is an amazing documentary just because they happen to be at Altamont when the Hell's Angels started murdering people in the middle of a Rolling Stones concert. Mm -hmm. So there's part of that. But the masters of Verite also know how to find the exact right moments to pick and choose and the right stories to tell by their editing. Which means that, you know, like you said, it almost feels like this dude was hired by Vogue and Anna Wintour to try to make a documentary about her and still has to give her the lip service at the beginning of the movie. Also, I just can't abide by the Kmart comment that she makes right at the opening scene of the movie. It just turns me off entirely. Oh, that's very much... She's trying to be like, oh, high low. She should have said, like, the gap. Well, she can't say the gap because she's got a featured designer working for them. Mm-hmm. But that would have been more of a, it's the whole thing about mixing, you know, super high fashion with low and, and like cheap stuff that you get at Walmart and, you know, and, and Kmart. And for me, Kmart's it's just, always the go-to cheap place. I know. And it, it's just that thing, it, it rings. And again, I feel like part of this is a post-recession thing. It, it has that ring of, you don't care about people who can't be in your world. There are so many people who might admire your world, but can't participate in it because they don't have the means to do so because you live in a bubble. 
Now, since that, I think that bubble has burst somewhat and you've seen more people be able to get involved in that industry. But this is such a time capsule of a period in which excess was glorified. Oh, it still is glorified. True. We're, I just we're seeing we're seeing a turn, but in different places. We're, we're Fa- seeing we're seeing more avenues open, and fashion I, is always going to be about excess. True. Always. I, I think it's is there a way to have excess while being able to make it accessible to people? Yes. And in this movie, it still feels like we're trapped in that bubble where it's only for a few. Well, now that the movement in fashion is more about uh, it's not affordability but it's about access for sizes yes and genders uh which is very interesting and it's amazing to see so yeah fashion has has is moving in a more accessible way it's just not necessarily about the dollar amount right and and it never will be Mm -hmm. because there is a quality of high fashion that it is meant to have a quality in which the price is raised Mm -hmm. and then there's the artistic stuff In, in terms of how you price art factors into high fashion and stuff like that oh no okay first we get materials and then we get into man hours okay pay people per every bead they've sewed on by hand that shit's gonna cost you if you're willing to pay them the right amount of money and not ship it to china to have them to do it but like when you see a dress like what blake lively wore this year to uh the met gala yeah like you if i don't know what the price is if someone told me it's 20 g's i'd be like the same's cheap yeah because it's all hand done I mean, that's, I mean, that's artisan work. Okay, that's fair. You pay for it. So I'm okay. It is a little different than art because at least you can wear it. I just, I I wonder if there is that level of inflation that comes in based on brand names and designing. I think you see that more when you look at things like, why does a Yeezy t-shirt cost $300? Right. And well, that's because of branding. Exactly. That's a branding issue as opposed to an artisan issue. So you see that everywhere in all industries, you know, cars, linens, just just our fucking plates. Like our plates cost more money because they say Martha Stewart on the back instead of, you know, Target. Yeah, it's fair. It's true. I really liked her bowls. I can't help it. (laughs) Hey, Martha's just fine. It's okay. She served her time. We're okay. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. (laughs) No, there's, there's something about the manner and the time of the timing of this movie that now has aged really poorly. Okay. And feels very stuffy and elite Mm -hmm. in a way that fashion is elitist to a certain degree, but it can be elitist in a way that still draws the outsider in. Mm -hmm. And this movie makes it feel both elitist and standoffish. This is, this is the type of movie that I would love to see a follow-up movie too. Oh, a a, a a ten years later. Absolutely. Uh, because of the financial crisis, because of what has changed. I mean, one because of, of the death of the publishing industry, which is its absolutely. own huge thing. But also, one of the things that Grace mentions is that Anna was uh, she was very progressive. Um, you know, as Anna's going through the old coverage, she goes, you know, oh, you know. This was back in, you know, like 92 when the cover, you know, we had a African-American woman and that was considered, you know, controversial. I got a lot of shit for that. I, I got a lot of shit for that. But good on you for doing it. I mean, I know it's still a very white magazine. I'm not trying to like praise her. <laughs> but Grace also then mentions that she was the first one to catch on to the celebrities. 
And the thing is, we've reached a tipping point where I feel that Anna Wintour has pandered to them now, where it's about chasing the celebrities instead of focusing on the fashion. You know, we get these spreads with people who, like the Kardashians, I'm sorry, they they shouldn't be on covers and they don't deserve spreads. Well, even more so, Sienna Miller, who I know was an it- In 97, not 97, 2007, she was kind of, she was an it girl. She was an it girl, but like I said, it's that- For your September issue, please. But it is that time capsule thing, too, of, wow- we were really shallow to think that this person was should be the face of fashion for the entire year. I don't know. It, it, it should have been an Anne Hathaway. The way they played it up was that oh, this is the this is the premier fashion thing of the entire year. This is going to define all of fashion for the entire season, or at least be it's it's the Daytona Five Hundred of a, fashion a little, is what it is. You've been watching too much Logan Lucky, but she she was an it girl. Yeah, she was not the it girl, but she was. And, and, you know, she's a little different looking. At the end of the day, I I really, what really bothered me was just how kind of ugly I thought the film looked. Like, I was like, you could have at least spruced up your equipment and filmed this where it didn't look like kind of a cheap PBS documentary. It won the Cinematography Award at Sundance. That's so gross. I hate the cinematography. (laughs) It wasn't nominated for any Oscars. I know that a lot of that boils down to editing, more than anything. But I mean, like, when when we go into that room to look at the magazine, mm-hmm. and they've got it on the blocks, and they're moving them around, mm-hmm. he did nothing to temper the giant bright lights that are in that room, because on those walls, it looks like everything has backlighting on mm-hmm. it. Okay, maybe not. Then maybe it's just that he has piss poor lighting capabilities of hiding away fluorescent lights. Maybe. But like... Everything feels way overlit, way too saturated. You can't see any of the stuff going on. And it's just like, hey, I've got a camera. I'm going to turn it on and point it. There's no artistry whatsoever to what he's doing. This movie would have been so much better if he filmed on actual film instead of digital. Because digital in 2007 sucked. True. (laughs) Now, if he filmed it in digital, would have been fine. Yeah. But he's clearly got a digital handheld cam, and it's like, no, dude, this should be on film. It would read so much better. Well, it's a time capsule. Okay, so how many Manolo Blahniks would you give it? (laughs) I am going to give it... I'm going to give it a two and a half. It's a mixed bag. I think you're right in that if you are in any way interested and viewing of fashion, then you are going to really find stuff to latch onto in the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's the number one problem is that if you're not focused on fashion at all, you're left struggling to find the through line that you want to follow in the story. And the most compelling one isn't the main focus. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, for and then for me, the other side of the politics stuff is just my own personal stuff reading into it. But I just feel like it doesn't age well in any good way. I agree with that. Uh, I guess I I I this is my movie, so I was supposed to go first. Um, but I was going to give it a 2.5 just because I really enjoy what I enjoy. I mean, I love the stuff with Grace and I like watching how the photo shoots are done, but it doesn't age well at all. And looking at this film in a critical manner, as opposed to just, you know, watching it because I was curious, I, I genuinely feel like this was supposed to be a PR film yeah. for Anna Wintour and... They, there just wasn't enough that was going to be compelling. And then they got grace. It was like, oh, well, this is a good through line. This will work. This will do. 
So we're all in agreement that Grace Coddington is 10,000 times more talented and awesome than Anna Wintour. I won't say that. I won't say that. She's that much more, she's that much more interesting. And that's what we learned today. Great. Yay. All right. So next week we're going to do a movie that neither of us have seen. But we've wanted to see for quite some time. It's very intriguing. 2016's documentary, Tickled. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've heard so many things, not only about this movie, but then also completely about the subject surrounding it. Big shout out to the dollop for this being like their second episode ever before this movie had come out and they knew this movie was coming out. Like the trailer for this is insane. I. But this one is streaming on HBO. So if you have access to HBO or you have like your parents or your best friends, go watch it. I can't say anything about it without giving it away. Okay. So let's go watch it. Well, not right now. Okay. But soon. Everyone, this weekend we saw three identical strangers. In 1980 New York, three young men who were all adopted discover that they are triplets who were separated at birth. They describe their lives and what they've discovered about why they were separated. Okay, I just feel like I need to put for the record that when we picked our documentary series for the summer, we did not know that... Two of the most two... well-regarded documentaries in recent... Like years were gonna come out at the same time, <laughs> much less this year. Yeah, during this time. So this is very serendipitous. I love it. Anyway, so this movie is phenomenal. It's an hour and a half. It's awesome. We cannot. We're not gonna spoil anything. It's great. Yeah, the it's, it's great story. The synopsis can hook you in with just an interesting human interest mm-hmm. story. From there, you're going to have your jaw on the floor, and that's all I can tell you mm-hmm. because. There's a certain point at which everybody in the theater just suddenly got hooked. And it came at different times. It was very interesting to feel. But by the end of the movie, it's dead silent. Because we're hanging on every word. Yeah, because there are many layers of crazy. This is ogre level layers. is. Thank you for the Shrek reference. <laughs> um, it's it's worth going to see in a theater. It is. I would hazard to say that as much as I loved Won't You Be My Neighbor, mm-hmm. I think this is even better. And I will also say that I think this is a shoe-in for Best Documentary this year. Agreed. So is Mr. Rogers. Because, the, of, the, because of the compelling yes. social... Well, not the compelling social interest, because... Mr. Rogers' documentary has that, but this has a tangible impact on the story involved, just like we talked about with Thin Blue Line, Mm -hmm. and I think that's always a hook. It'll be interesting to to see what may or may not come out as a result of this movie. Oh, true. Um, Mr. Rogers, I think, is equally impactful. The difference is that that there's not a mystery element to it. No, there's no mystery. It's It's just a human story. It's a human story and then opening up all of the reasons why we felt the way we did about it. Yes. I... This is a more intriguing documentary. And in some ways... And uh, in some ways a more traditional documentary. 
a traditional journalistic documentary. A little bit. A little bit. In the sense of what we know as a documentary now. I mean, a traditional documentary was literally just point film shoot. Yes. This This is is a thing that happened. This is more in that Errol Morris school of digging digging and digging Mm -hmm. and digging and uncovering There's a journalistic aspect to it. And, you know, Mr. Rogers is a very unique kind of love letter and and poem. They're both wonderful. This, This one has... It just has that journalistic aspect to it. It is currently an Alamo Recommends, so if you are... In Near the, an Alamo Draft House. It is likely to be playing. Otherwise, it's in limited release, but find find the nearest theater that has it for you, and if it's not a, like, nine-hour drive, go see it. Absolutely. All right, until next time. Bye, guys. That's it for this episode. Please take a moment to review and rate us on iTunes. And for questions and comments, drop us an email at macintoshandmod at gmail.com. 